0: reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey there. Because you're listening to this podcast, we at Blue Wire want you to know this. One, we freaking love you. And two, we want to learn more about you. Help us make more content you'll love by filling out a survey you can find in the description of this podcast. You'll help us out a ton, and you'll have a chance to win a Blue Wire t-shirt, hoodie, or a pair of AirPods. We appreciate you, hope you're staying safe, and want you to enjoy this podcast.
1: What is up, hockey fans? This is the Golden Edge podcast, the podcast where the Las Vegas Review Journal talks about hockey and today the public health crisis that is now (laughs) affecting hockey. So it's not going to be necessarily the most lighthearted episode, but we'll try to get through it. Uh, I, myself, am Ben Goetz, one of your Review Journal, Golden Knights beat reporters. My colleague David Shane is on vacation, but joining me as always is the birthday boy because it is his birthday adam hill adam how is your your lovely birthday which the number of birthdays i won't name but how is your birthday going so
2: far oh it's so many ben when you've had this many they're just kind of old hat to you so uh i'm as you can as you can probably imagine people that listen i'm very a jovial birthday guy like i'm all into it um not true obviously but i do appreciate all the uh you know the messages and it's it's great. It's wonderful, Ben. I'm very excited and thank you for bringing it up.
1: Yeah, no problem. Happy <laughs> birthday to Adam. Happy belated Father's Day to all the dads out there. Uh, we're going to get to, like I said off the top, some big hockey news and I would say big national news and how it's affecting hockey. We're also going to go through some Hub City updates and some interesting Ryan Reeves comments. But first, I want to remind everyone that the Golden Edge podcast is presented by Favor drink a favor.com, but also ask you guys to make sure to check out all our stuff on reviewjournal.com I've been providing a lot of updates and kind of the hub city situation, the last couple days as well as just whatever other hockey news comes out. Also just please rate and review this podcast, whatever you do with podcasts, please do to this one subscribe if you can, it helps other people find us and we really appreciate it. Uh, now with that bit of housekeeping out of the way, Let's talk about what's been a not so great couple days in the news if you're a sports fan. Uh, I don't know what your experience has been like, Adam, but I feel like for me, there was a couple week period there, uh, obviously starting with the George Floyd murder in Minneapolis, where I used to live and I kind of grew up in that area, that really took my mind off the pandemic that we're still very much experiencing for a while. It all of a sudden was, you know, kind of number two in my national crisis pecking order. Uh, but in the last couple of days, it's, it's shot back up uh, to number one. Obviously both are very important and both have serious issues we need to address, but the pandemic is really kind of making itself known again. Uh, first off on Friday, TSN's Bob McKenzie first reported the Tampa Bay Lightning shut down their team facility because three players and two staff members uh, reportedly tested positive for COVID-19. The NHL said Friday night it's had 11 positive tests so far among the 200 players it's tested multiple times since the start of phase two. Uh, Around the same time, the same day, actually, the Philadelphia Phillies had five players and three staff members test positive. And so Major League Baseball shut down all its spring training facilities, which it's all facilities are in Arizona and Florida, the basically two of the biggest hotbeds right now. So that was not great news. And then yesterday, Monday, as we're recording this, the Orlando Pride of the National Women's Soccer League said they weren't even going to participate in their leagues, like basically return to play tournament, because six members of their team tested positive, along with four staff members. Uh, the athletic report of the team's outbreak came from a trip to a bar, which hopefully there's some lessons from that, uh, that people can uh, take forward. And also uh, college football has been hit. Uh, Clemson, LSU, Boise State, I've seen them all had team-wide outbreaks, and I'm sure there's been uh, many more. So if we total that long-running tally up, uh, it has not been a uh, fun week for sports teams that are dealing with this, of course, uh, global public health crisis, but it's especially a national public health crisis. The U.S. has been hit harder than basically anyone else in the world. Uh, so Adam, what what is your initial take on everything that's been happening and how it
2: potentially is going to affect the return of uh, U.S. sports. Well, there's a lot there, Ben. Uh, first of all, when you, you talk about everything that's gone on in the country, you know, the last couple of months and you know, our attention is one way and then there's everything else on another. It's almost like there's like seven fires burning around us and you keep trying to put them out and you're like, there's, there's just nothing you could do. You don't almost just sit there in the, in the middle of it. And like, I guess we're just going to let everything burn. Like, this is just too crazy. Uh, it's it's just that kind of a year. It feels like you're just overwhelmed uh, by everything that's going on. But yeah, all these developments in the sports world, and and you know, you, there's so many of them that you didn't even mention. Like Novak Djokovic tries to start up his own tennis tour and kind of mocks on the whole, you know, coronavirus situation. And then like a bunch of them inclu- start getting it, including him and his wife. Like it's just crazy what you know how how much it's going and. You know, I think th- there's there's a lot of reason to be maybe pessimistic about what the future of sports might look like the rest of 2020. Um, reason to be optimistic, too. I mean, there, there are, you know, people are starting to come back to facilities and, and college football, as you mentioned, people are starting to come back uh, to their campuses. And, you know, we're starting to get, you know, baseball maybe, maybe out there. Um, I just think it's so fascinating. One of the things I hear uh, from – you know, people that think this is overblown or, or, you know, invented for political reasons or whatever, which is, you know, obviously nonsense. But you hear them say, well, like professional athletes are going to be fine. This doesn't really affect them as much as it does other people. And yes, in death rate, that's probably true. Uh, in fact, no, it, it's, it is true if you just look at the numbers. However, we don't know the long term effects of what this can do to people's bodies. We've heard uh, some some doctors come out and say, like, they, they are seeing things that they've never seen before uh, done inside, you know, people's organs from, from getting this and people that don't even think they're that sick. And all of a sudden, you know, they have lung issues and they can't, you know, they're having long-term breathing effects and, and these different things. So we don't, we don't know enough about this to know what it's going to do to some of these athletes. And in the end, it's not even really necessarily about the athletes. It's about who they, you know, who they can give it to, who, who they can pick it up and then pass it on to. And then, you know, then it starts spreading back in their communities. Um, And, you know, listen, it's going to spread. We get that. But you have to look at what's, you know, what's necessary and what's not. And is it that necessary to go have guys play sports if it's going to lead to when they return having some sort of outbreak? I I just I don't think so. Some people would say yes, but there's just so many, you know, so many variables there and so many questions, questions to be answered about, you know, how we can do this safely and how it can proceed uh all of all of these things are are still out there and, and i think frustrating for a lot of people to try to deal with and i know there's a lot of people that are like hey we need this so we can focus on other things so those things we we're talking about earlier where like this whole you know the whole 2020 seems like it's uh just a you know a burning fire all over the place like this could help us get back to you know having something to focus on besides all this and, and i get all that but is that enough to outweigh the the potential health risk that you cause in communities from doing this i i don't know I just I don't have answers. Um I I wish there was better answers and I wish people had them, but it's just so difficult and, and there's just as you mentioned, they're everywhere. I, I was talking to somebody yesterday and uh Baylor's team reported I think 108 football players at Baylor and there was eight positive tests and it was almost like a success. Like, oh, only eight, okay. That's, you know, that's progress better than some other teams. Like, that's kind of what we're dealing with right now. It's crazy.
1: Yeah. So, to put this, like, you know, in a hockey context, it's not important just because, you know, two guys on a podcast say, hey, we're concerned about this. Though, I think that should be part of the larger conversation, as you said, Adam, of, like, ultimately, is it worth it to have these guys come back, potentially risk their health? But that's, you know, a larger conversation that's beyond us. What I think it's critical about, you know, these outbreaks that are kind of happening throughout sports teams around the country is the fact that, hey, NHL players still have to sign off on this. We've talked about this on previous podcasts of, yes, there's a format. Yes, they're kind of been taking steps in the right direction in terms of they're getting closer and closer to a return to play. But ultimately, the players still have to vote on whether they're okay with this or not. And you would have to assume that seeing... You know, other teams and other professional sports leagues kind of experience outbreaks. And then, of course, players in their own sport uh, experiencing outbreak. As I said earlier, you know, the Tampa Bay Lightning reportedly had to shut down their facility. There's been reports that a lot of Arizona based players, not players that play for the Coyotes, but just players that have hung out in Arizona during the pause and have kind of gotten together informally on their own have also experienced an outbreak, which makes sense because Florida and Arizona are just two absolute hotbeds right now. But you have to wonder, are other players kind of sitting back at home, like scrolling through Twitter, reading the news and being like, man, are we sure that we're gonna be able to do this safely? And is it worth it for me to you know, risk my health? And then as you mentioned, does that potentially put their families health or their loved one's health at risk as well, because, you know, obviously most of these guys, as you mentioned, aren't in, you know, the high danger category, but there's stuff where, you know, if you have diabetes, I think you're at a higher risk. So are there guys with kind of more, you know, controllable underlying health conditions that still don't want to put themselves at risk or guys that, you know, maybe live with an elderly relative that don't want to put themselves at risk or have, you know, a child or a spouse or another close family member that do have concerning underlying health conditions and they don't want to risk giving it. So there's, there's a lot kind of at play there, obviously. And so I'm curious to how that's going to affect the mindset of these players when they ultimately make their vote. Um, as you mentioned, the counter argument probably is be, hey, the NHL is just in phase two. They haven't gotten to training camps. They haven't gotten to... You know the tight bubbles that they're, you know, supposed to be in once they actually start playing games again. And maybe it's better that these positive tests are going to pop up now rather than two months from now. But as you kind of mentioned, I would argue that any positive tests are bad at any point just because there's so much unknown right now.
2: Yeah, I I think there is uh, there's a lot of questions. And when you talk about uh, the NHL specifically, um, I I find it. Kind of kind of intriguing. And, and we talked about this when the NHL announced their return to play plan and were kind of ahead of the game and, and said, hey, we're coming back. And I thought part of the reason the NHL did that was to kind of you know, quiet any questions and put a little bit of pressure on the players, in fact, to just be like, hey, we're coming back. Here's the plan. Here's what we're going to do and, and move on from that. And I think it kind of worked in a way uh, because w- while there's all this talk about baseball and them tr- struggling to come to an agreement – the NBA struggling to come to an agreement like the national media and and even hockey fans that I've heard are like, well, you guys are taking so long to figure this out. Hockey has it figured out. Well, do they, I mean, they're not, they're, they're really not there yet. I mean, I know we know what the return of play is. We haven't heard the hub cities and we'll get into that. Um, But there is still agreements to be reached and there's still protocols to be, you know, agreed upon. Uh, I think it's very interesting that, that the NHL and we know the NHL, is you know is never at the top of the you know the sports food chain in terms of the national media but uh that the nhl has not gotten the scrutiny that the other leagues have uh, because you know for whatever reason i think people just assume all of this is done and it's not like there's still a lot to be worked out and there's there's still a lot of questions to be answered in the nhl
1: yeah i think another reason to kind of piggyback off your point too is that to the nhl's credit and i think this is a credit it hasn't Uh, Negotiated in the public a lot because of course you know with the NBA we've heard Kyrie Irving is holding these calls to basically voice his concerns to players and try to get guys on board with potentially not playing and then of course baseball has just been a mess in terms of the union has put out a statement then the owners have put out a statement calling the union statement awful and maybe they're finally figuring that out but there's been a lot of negotiating in public for both of those leagues where The NHL, I think, like I said, to its credit, has done a pretty good job of let's keep it all in the boardroom. Let's hash all this out together and hopefully we can figure something out. And when we're ready to go, we'll present kind of ultimately our plan. But even, of course, that being said, there still are no indications yet what the plan is and whether guys will sign off on that plan, because that's ultimately going to be to the decider if. The majority of NHL players are like, you know what, I'm comfortable, I'm willing to kind of take the risks, I think I'll be safe, let's go return to play. And a big part of that will of course be the hub cities, which we'll talk about in a second, but that's, like I said, that's the thing that's really ultimately at stake here when we talk about, you know, this not so great news coming out for sports in the past week of how it's going to affect the players and their mindset and their potential willingness to play and whether that means the league might have to offer them more money or like a sweeter package or something that's going to make it you know more worth it for them to ultimately return well you talked about those hub cities a little bit there adam let's quick uh, touch on that because we're still not 100 sure if the players do give the thumbs up to return where they will eventually play but we're getting closer it feels like Uh, The Columbus Blue Jackets said they were told Monday. Yesterday, as we're recording this on Tuesday, that they were out of the mix. The Pittsburgh Penguins said this morning as well that they're also out. So that would bring us down to eight cities out of the 10 finalists the NHL initially put out there. Uh, In addition, The Athletic reported yesterday that Minneapolis and St. Paul were told they're out of the mix. And The Athletic also reported uh, today, Tuesday as we're recording this, that Dallas is out of the mix. So basically we're down to six. Las Vegas, the three Canadian cities, which are Edmonton, Toronto, and Vancouver, and then LA and Chicago. But those last two are kind of the dark horses. It feels like the kind of betting favorite combination would be uh, most likely Las Vegas and a Canadian city, and then you know, kind of another option, which I don't think has quite as much steam, would be two Canadian cities. Uh, for those of us who missed the episode last week, the NHL would prefer to have one Canadian hub, likely because one, it's cheaper there, the exchange rate is lower, so they would save money by hosting games in Canada. Also, places like Vancouver have the coronavirus situation under uh, much tighter control than the US. Even Las Vegas, uh, as we're recording this this morning, is experiencing record highs in terms of the number of positive tests in Clark County. It's certainly not to the same level as some of those hot spots like Arizona, Florida, and even Texas that I mentioned earlier, but it's still not great, it's not positive news. Um, And, of course, obviously the NHL has a ton of Canadian fans, so this would be a way for Gary Bettman to kind of throw them a bone for you know moving teams out of Canada before and not giving Canada expansion teams, including having Las Vegas earn an expansion team over Quebec City. So I think that's kind of the logic there. Uh, Adam, you said uh, last week on the podcast that you were not necessarily a fan of Las Vegas being a hub city just because you thought the temptation would basically... Be too great for players to break contain, as it were, and go uh, experience the strip since it would be like basically right at their fingertips. Are you kind of still on that uh, anti Las Vegas bandwagon?
2: Well, I mean, I think it's, you know, anti Las Vegas in this sense only because I am. Right, you are pro Las, Las Vegas, Vegas in general. general. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, I, I love Las Vegas. I think it's too good. It's too fun to be a hub city. I, I just think. Like part of the, uh, you know, part of what you need to happen is everybody to kind of buy in and to commit to the hub city concept, into the bubble concept. And you know, if you're coming to Vegas, if, I, I think there's I almost have heard too much excitement around the league. Of yeah, Vegas is cool. We'll go to Vegas. Like yeah, that's not what it's about. Like you're not trying to go to Vegas and you know have a Vegas experience. You're trying to go somewhere to be kind of you know locked into a bubble. And just focus on getting the season done and trying to stay healthy and get out uh, and, and find the the safest way to complete this. And I feel like, you know, while we can do any event and we're great at events and that's, you know, what we're born on and uh, that's what we're known for and that's what we're great at. Like, I just I just feel like Vegas is the wrong place just because guys are going to want to go do stuff and, and be out and about and, and the weather is great. And, you know, things are starting to open up again. And I just, I just don't think that's ideal for what they want to do. I, I say, find the most boring cities you can and, you know, you know, put those guys in there and, and just try to get through this. Uh, so I, I'm, I'm anti in that regard, uh, but I'm obviously pro Vegas in all things. And and if this, if this is a way for the city, that was the other part of it is is what does it do for the city? And, you know, if guys aren't really out and about, it's, and they're not really you know necessarily contributing to the economy on a greater level. and there's no fans in the building and bringing, the, bringing people into the city. I don't really know what it does for Las Vegas. However, you know the more you think about it, the more games are on TV, it, it kind of advertises like, hey, you know, this is going on in Vegas. you can go there and the economy's back opened up and all those things. I guess it does a little bit in that regard. I just I think you want to find boring places. Like the Edmonton concept was so great to me. Uh, and not that they're out of it, but you know, that's, it's great because it's, it's just right there. It's like one giant city block in Edmonton where everything is, you can play, you can have the practice rink right there. You don't really have to leave at all. And why would you, it's Edmonton. Like, you don't want to go to that giant mall or, you know, what, that's like the one appeal and nobody's going to need to go there. They can stay in the bubble and not be, not be distracted and not want to go out. And, you know, LA kind of has some of the same problems as Vegas, except, You know, it's like where it is in downtown. It's not really that close to anything necessarily. Uh, You'd be in the bubble, and not like it's not like you'd want to walk to Hollywood. It's you know miles and miles away. So uh, I I just feel like Vegas isn't ideal in that regard. It's too too much temptation to just walk out and about and do do what you're gonna do. But listen, the NHL loves Vegas. Players love Vegas. Everyone loves Vegas. And Gary Bettman seems like anything that comes up, he's just like Vegas uh what about the awards? vegas uh what about the draft vegas like it's just everything wants to be in vegas for batman he loves it here uh so it just makes sense it's going to be i just don't know if it's the best if it's the best answer
1: yeah it's a fine line that you like want to walk here right because on one hand in terms of these hub cities you are asking uh players to essentially self quarantine themselves wherever they're going to be for like more than 2 months if they end up making the Stanley Cup final. So you want to take them to a place where they're not going to be just bored out of their minds, cycling through Netflix shows, you know, the 22 hours. They're basically not going to be at the rink every day. On the other hand, yeah, as you brought up, you don't want to tempt them too much because as we literally saw with the Orlando Pride yesterday, one outing to a bar can just derail an entire team's season at this point. I mean, they the Pride are not participating in the NWSL tournament now and there's no indication that the team or the league, I should say, is going to play games in, you know, home venues at this point. So they might have just doomed themselves to not play for an entire year. And so that's kind of the fine line everyone's walking at this point is You, I think not just for NHL players, but just all of us in general of the, you know, idea of wanting to go out, wanting to return to some semblance of normalcy, but literally one wrong move and you're doomed. And obviously, if it does come to Las Vegas and there's players that are all of a sudden missing from the lineup, coincidentally, when it didn't appear that they got injured in the previous game, it's going to raise a lot of eyebrows and it could potentially affect teams seasons how they end up if all of a sudden star players can't play so it's a really really tricky fine line i get where the league is coming from and trying not to have players miserable and bored out of their minds for two months but you know ultimately we'll we'll see how it ends up i don't think there's necessarily the the quite right way or quite the right wrong way because of course no one knows anything about a lot of things right now and we especially have never been in this situation before, so there's not a lot of precedent to fall back on. Uh, yeah, another, ben,
2: oh, I, I want to say, Ben, like the, all of these plans, no matter where we are, they're all bad plans. Every single plan that every single league has is bad. It's just finding the best of the bad plans. Like that's that's kind of where we're at right now, and just trying to find what's what's doable and what can get us, you know, because because we have this you know, desire. We want the sports to come back. We want to figure out how to do it. It's, there's no perfect way. So anything that comes up, there's going to be, you know, negatives. There's going to be people that say, well, that, this is why that doesn't work. And I get that. And like, no matter what happens, we're going to deal with that, but it's trying to find the safest and best way to do it. And if you can find one that's acceptable, then you can, then, you know, you try to make it happen. That's, that's what we're dealing with. They say a healthy gut means a healthy
1: you. Favor apple cider vinegar shots bottle this feeling into the convenience of a two ounce shot. Better digestion, stronger immune system, and the lowering of blood sugar levels are just some of the benefits to shooting a daily favor shot. Their proprietary blends are raw and organic and mixed with other functional ingredients to create a better tasting experience. First time shooters can go to drinkafavor.com. Another quick news that we can quick touch on, the... League is going from uh, phase two, which is small group workouts, to kind of like phase 2.5, I guess. So initially in these small group workouts, players were allowed to skate uh, in groups no bigger than six. Well, as of today, Tuesday as we're recording this, we're up to 12. They they have now doubled in size. Uh, It's basically a baby step for the league to get uh, one step closer to full training camps, which are coming uh, on july 10th so it's right now is kind of the midpoint between when phase two began june 8th and when those camps would eventually start but of course as we just finished discussing that uh, camp start date is definitely not set in stone the players still have to vote they will vote to approve both the training camp health and safety protocols and just the game phase four safety protocols at the same time so that is going to ultimately be kind of the deciding vote as to whether Uh, The NHL goes forward or not But like I said baby step Kind of getting closer to those camps uh, In terms of what's happening On the ice and at City National Arena So uh, you know Just thought that was something to mention And then finally before uh, We sign off I wanted to say this for the end Because it's old news at this point But I still think it's important to discuss And that is the fact that Ryan Reeves spoke to the media via Zoom last week He of course talked about The uh, two-year extension he signed with the Golden Knights, but he talked about a lot of other topics, too. Nothing especially revelatory came out of it. But I did think, however, his thoughts on racism and hockey's diversity issues, which are, of course, like I said, such a hot-button topic right now. And it's something that I think, you know, like I've said before, I've tried to take stock of in my life of how I'm affecting these issues and how I can better, you know, call out and affect these issues um, and I thought Reeves' perspective was really interesting, given all of that. Uh, he said what he termed the, quote, end bomb unquote, thrown at him three different times uh, in his life that he can remember, including once in junior hockey, which is obviously appalling and not great to me. Uh, I also thought he had some really interesting thoughts as to why a lot of black people don't play hockey, which is an issue that's certainly come up in this sport a lot. Um, and I thought Reeves' thoughts there were worth listening to. Let's hear him speak on that.
3: Why do not a lot of black people in, in the sport? I mean, it's, it's a pretty simple answer. You know, hockey is, a, is the most expensive sport to play. And, um, you know, if you, if you don't, if you, if you go into a lot of these black communities, first of all, there aren't hockey rinks there. Nobody, nobody, nobody builds uh, hockey rinks in black communities. They put a basketball nets. They put a football fields. And it's, and it's easier to get to, you know, you buy basketball, you go to the basketball court outside and and, and you're practicing right there. You go get a football, you run on the field and get a couple of buddies. But for hockey, you know, you got to have a rank in your community. you got to pay, you know, a couple thousand dollars a year because kids grow quick, you know, they're outgrowing that equipment. Um, and so it's, so it's tough. It's it's tough on parents, not just in black music, it's tough on any community or any parent that, that's trying to put their kids through school. So, um You know, to get more black black people involved in the in the sport, you got to bring the sport to them. You know, we got to build rinks in their communities. We got to donate some equipment. You got to bring these black athletes to those communities because you know it it, it's fine if you walk you know if you're a white guy, a white athlete, a white hockey player, you walk into these black communities um, and you go play ball hockey with a bunch of black kids. That's fine. But those kids want to see people that look more like them. They want to see me walk in there wearing Jordans and be like, hey. Runs. I wear Jordans. Hey, you dress like that. I dress like that. Oh, well, you got earrings in your ears. Well, I don't. You know, people told me I shouldn't wear earrings. But you, you know what I mean. They they want to see people that look like them. That kind of bring that brings them a little bit close to the sport. And those are the things that you know the NHL that, that individual franchises, individual teams need to do to to bring different cultures into the sport.
1: So there's Reeves kind of spiel on why black people are not playing hockey in the same numbers as, of course, their white counterparts. The sport is not very diverse ethnically, especially at the NHL level. Um, Quick things to point out, too. Reeves has played ball hockey in minority communities in Las Vegas before. And he's also appeared in a NHL video for Black History Month that aired last year. So this isn't a new issue for him. He's not all of a sudden taking up the crusade just because of the George Floyd murder in Minneapolis. This is an issue that he's been working on. For a while, he does, however, and what is kind of new is he wants to join the Hockey Diversity Alliance, which was formed a couple weeks ago by Evander Kane and Akeem Alou. So in a sense, he's taking up these issues anew, as it were. Uh, Adam, it's a lot to kind of digest there, but uh, what are your thoughts on kind of Reeves' perspective on these issues and what he had to say
2: last week? Well, first of all, you know it's important if he's willing to work with Evander Kane on anything uh, that's, that's the first takeaway is, uh, obviously this is a, a major issue an important issue. Uh, if those guys are going to be working together and, and, and you're right. I think this is something that Ryan Reeves has, has talked about and worked on. Uh, it hasn't necessarily been at the forefront of a lot of people's minds. I, I, you know, I think it's an issue that everyone is aware of, uh, and has, it's been discussed often, but just not, uh, at the level of importance that I think we're feeling now. And I think that's, it's a great step. Like it's not going to happen overnight. We're not going to see, you know, next year in the NHL, just a, a huge influx of minority players, just because, you know, this has been discussed. This is a process that's going to take a long time. It's going to have to build from the youth levels. You're going to have to get more and more, um, you know, children of diverse backgrounds involved in playing hockey young. Uh, and then, you know, over, you know, the next generation, you can start to see the, that, that change a little bit. And and I think, you know it's important that it does, and and not just not just for you know the opportunities and hey like you know let's let's you know get more kids involved and and more diverse kids like that's that's important, but it's more you know the, an understanding of you know being around different people, playing with different people, being in a locker room with different people of different backgrounds, and that will help everybody get a more of an understanding of where people come from and and that sort of thing. So that sparks conversations, that sparks dialogue, and that is what helps. And so I think. It's important to be, you know, exposed to people of different backgrounds uh, from a young age, and we hear too often about, you know, hockey players who have come up and never really had any experience playing with anybody that's not white, which is it's very weird. Um, in other sports, you don't really hear things like that, but uh, that's that's kind of where it is. So I think it's important for more understanding, and yeah. as people, you know, get get a different experience, I think that will help um, the cause a lot more too. And and again, it's not something that's going to happen immediately, but um i think it's very important that it does happen eventually and i think you know there's there's guys taking the steps to make that happen down the road
1: right i mean i've told this story before on this podcast very recently that like i played i mean even against i believe one black player when i was growing up as a youth hockey player in minnesota which looking back is crazy i mean considering the diversity that a lot of other sports have and obviously people can um count the minority players on the Golden Knights and realize there's not many. So it's something that's going to take a lot of people being willing to embrace change and trying to reach out to, you know, people that look differently than them, which once again, I'll credit, you know, the Knights to do. Like I said, Reeves played ball hockey with, in a minority community. Um, in an event that I attended, uh, Max Pacioretty, whose mother is Mexican, did the same with Paul Stasny at one point this year. And I know that they've done... Many more of those events that uh, media members like myself were not privy to, so give the Golden Knights credit for you know their efforts there. But obviously, just showing up and playing ball hockey for one afternoon or a couple afternoons isn't going to necessarily be enough to overcome, as Reeves said, some of the financial hurdles that come with playing hockey and things like that. So there's there's still a lot of work to do, but I think it's encouraging that you know Reeves and other players are. Taking up, like I said, the fight anew, as it were. It's not a new issue for him and a lot of other players, but they know that they have the spotlight right now and they're trying to harness it. And so I obviously think that's a good thing. And I hope people like us can continue to shine a spotlight like that and that we don't necessarily let this issue die. And I hope our lovely listeners and readers to this podcast uh, make sure that we. Don't let it die. And they remind us that these issues are important and we should keep tracking them. Uh, Well, that's going to do it for this edition of the Golden Edge podcast. Uh, As a reminder, please rate, review, subscribe. Whatever you do to podcasts, please do to this podcast. Also, check out all our coverage at ReviewJournal.com. Uh, Our thanks to Favor for presenting us, drinkafavor.com. Shout out to the missing Dave Shane who is on vacation. Shout out to the birthday boy, Adam Hill, who I'm talking with right now. Uh, I am Ben Goetz. We will talk to you guys again real soon.
0: Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns.